Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. Psalms chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3. I do want to, first of all, uh, wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. I'm a big believer in motherhood. I I actually have one of those mothers. And um, and I can truly say that uh, if it wasn't for her, I would not be standing here, and I mean that in more ways than the, than the obvious. Um, you know, I was thinking the other day, I don't know what it is when you're a kid, and young people, you'll appreciate this. When you're a kid, you just really don't appreciate your mother. You really don't. You, just, you know, she's always doing and always going and always doing, and, and that's just the way it is. I, you just take that for granted, that that's, that's just what mothers do, and you really don't appreciate them. But there's coming a day, whether you're a male or a female, and young people, believe me, you're going to walk in a labor and delivery room. And when you walk out the other side, trust me, you will have a new appreciation for being a mother. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If men were responsible for having and raising kids, there wouldn't be any. So uh, I appreciate mothers. Now, Pastor Henry called me a few weeks ago and asked me to preach, and uh, we knew at the time that it would be on Mother's Day. And I asked him, I said, well, do you want me to, you know, do something about mothers or parenting or things like that? And he said, no, nah, you know, not necessarily. Just do whatever's on your heart and, you know, whatever the Lord's put on your heart. And, and to be quite honest with you, at the time I had a completely different message. Um, in our Bible study, we'd been going through John and we had been in John 15, which is all about abiding in the vine. And and I had this whole message completely worked out about abiding in the vine. I actually had an example I was going to bring and show you. And, uh, but about two weeks ago, something happened. And uh, it completely changed the, uh, it just completely changed my message. So today, instead of the message being about abiding in the vine, the title of our message is Shade for Our Children. Shade for Our Children. Let's read in Psalms 1, 1 through 3. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And this man is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does he prospers. Now here the psalmist is describing a righteous man or a righteous woman. And in order to do that, he gives us an analogy. And the analogy is of a tree. And one of the things about this tree, he says, is that its leaf does not wither. In other words, it's not like one of these trees that loses its leaves in the fall and then puts them back on the spring. A righteous man, he says, it it never loses his leaves. In other words, a righteous man or a righteous woman is always able to provide shade. Now, as I read that, I began to think, okay, well, if I'm a righteous man and I'm I'm compared to a tree that gives shade, who am I giving shade to? And the other question is, what am I shading them from? Now, I'm going to answer those questions, but first I want to talk about my granddaughter because I can. (laughs) Now, as many of you know, 
Kathy and I became grandparents about four months ago. And uh, honestly, people always said how great it was to be a grandparent, but I, I just had no, uh, no idea. This, this child comes into your life who, I mean, you just, they just show up and all of a sudden you love them more than your own children. Now, <laughs> now boys, boys, I'm just kidding. So you have this child that shows up, and you want, I mean, you just love her with everything that's inside of you, and you want the best for this child. I mean, you want this child, for example, to be protected from all the evil that's out there in the world. You want her to be blessed by God, and you want her to come to know God at an early age. You want her to know the Word and walk in the Word and, and not mistake, make the same mistakes that you made. You want her to be a Christian, and you want her to be bold and courageous and strong and uncompromising in her faith. But here, i got to be honest with you, here's this really weird thing about being a grandparent that nobody ever told me. And I, and I guess I, I, I realized it, but I didn't really realize it until I became a grandparent. You see, the fact is, is I want all those things for her. But here's the odd thing about being a grandparent. I have very little control over those things because I'm not raising her. You see, I've always, that's kind of hard for me because I've always been one of those people who says, if you want it done right, let me do it. Is any of y'all out there? You know, if you want it done right, let me do it because I know how to do it right. But you see, here's this little girl, and I love her with everything in me, and I want to protect her, but she's not mine to protect. She's not mine to raise. She's somebody else's. And for the first time, I realized something, and I'm going to try to get this out in the right words today. I realized for the first time how important the choices and the decisions I made 30 years ago, 35 years ago, 25 years ago, all of a sudden the chickens are coming home to roost. All those things I did years ago, they matter, and they matter big time. You see, 32 years ago when Kathy and I got married, we made a decision that we wanted to be a godly man and a godly woman, and we decided we were going to do that to the best of our ability. And then 27 years ago, when our son was born, we made the decision that we wanted to be a godly father and a godly mother, that we wanted to follow Christ and walk in his ways and model that for our children. Now, we didn't do everything right. She made a lot of mistakes along the way. I'm glad y'all got that. But to the best of our ability and with God's help, we raised our children in the shade of a godly home. Let me tell you, if you don't understand this, you need to understand it. Fathers and mothers, you provide shade for your children. You cover your children. You protect your children. Now, you may ask the question, well, what am I shading them from? Listen, you're shading them from the blistering heat of anti-Christian values in an anti-Christian world. You are shading them from the blistering heat of anti-Christian values in an anti-Christian world. Listen, let's not kid ourselves. There may have been a time when you could think, because I live in little old Walcola County, 
that my children are going to be protected from what's going on out there. And at one time, that may have been true, but that was before the Internet, that was before social media. Let me tell you, what's going on out there goes on here. This past year, two women got married at the Walcala County Courthouse, and they put it on the front page of the Walcala News. Don't tell me it's not in our backyard. Listen, as a parent, you provide shade for your children from anti-Christian values in an anti-Christian world. Whether you know it or not, our culture is rapidly disintegrating morally, ethically, and above all, spiritually. The values that are now being embraced in America are badly, badly out of sync with God's Word. Homosexual marriage is aggressively promoted throughout the culture. Lifestyles of promiscuity and debauchery aren't merely tolerated, they're celebrated. Divorce is available on demand. Entertainment and social media are dominating our home lives. The killing of unborn children is aggressively defended. Listen, Satan is warring against the Bible, and the battleground is the family. You've got to be able to see that. You see, understand, go back to Deuteronomy, and we'll talk about this here in just a second. The Bible tells us that we should pass it down to our children. Teach them when you get up, teach them when they go to bed. Teach them when you're at home, teach them when you're on the road. Because the Bible knows that as parents, we pass down godly values to our children, and they pass them to their children. If Satan wants to destroy that, where is he going to go? He's going to attack the family. He, and that's exactly what he's doing, is he's warring against the family. Now see, I've got a granddaughter and I want to shade her. I want to shade Ella Kate from all of that, but that is not my job anymore. That's somebody else's job. You see, I look back now, and it was mine and Kathy's job to raise a godly man. That was my job. I had my chance. In a sense, what Kathy and I did is we, we planted and we hoed and we watered and we fertilized and we taught and we disciplined and we discipline some more and we discipline some more and then we talk some more and we worked and put all this effort into it and by the grace of God and I mean that with all my heart by the grace of God we raised a godly man there's an old Chinese proverb that says one generation plants the trees and another gets the shade you see it's not my job to raise my granddaughter but that's okay because of the choices that I made 30 40 Years ago, my granddaughter gets to bask in the shade of a godly man. And I can't tell you the peace that that brings me. I can't tell you the peace that that brings me knowing she's going to be raised under the shade of a godly man and a godly woman. Listen, my time of raising children is past. But if you're here today as a parent, or you are a young person that's going to be a parent one day, the question I'm asking today is, are you going to be men and women of Psalm 1? Are you going to be men, righteous men and righteous women who are going to shade your children from the blistering heat of an anti-Christian world? Listen, young people, what you do today matters. I cannot drive that home enough. What you do in high school is going to matter to you, and it's going to matter to your children, and it's going to matter to your grandchildren, and right down the line. There's an old saying, you reap what you sow. You sow to the flesh, you will reap the flesh. But you sow to the Spirit, you will reap the Spirit. 
I cannot, I, I'm, I'm older now, I'm 52, and I'm looking back to when I was in high school and looking back to when I got married and looking back to when I had children, and I'm telling you, those things matter today. I'm reaping today what I sowed those many years ago. The things you do, the choices you make, again, they affect not only you, but they're going to one day affect your children, and you're going to even affect your grandchildren. So I'm asking today, if you have children or you're going to be a parent, are you going to be the shade that shields your children? And are you raising godly children who will themselves one day shade their children from a world that's going to hate what they stand for? Now, if I, I stood here today and I asked, do you want to raise godly children? I'm sure everybody in here would say, Yes, absolutely to do, you would. But let me tell you, are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to do what it takes? Listen, you can't just take them to church and think that somehow that's enough. I'm just going to be really honest with you. You can't just take them to church on Sunday and think that's enough. They got what they need. They're going to grow up to be godly children. I heard somebody say this week, that's kind of like having a swimming pool. And you want to protect your children, so you put a fence around it. Listen, that's the least you can do. I have a swimming pool, and I have a fence around it. But that's the minimum. Listen, if you want to protect your children, you teach them how to swim. Right? You want to protect your children, you don't just put a fence around it and say, well, that's done. No, you teach them how to swim. Listen, if you want to protect your children in this world, you model for them how to be a Christian. You lead them to the throne of grace. Okay? So we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, today um, because there are things that we are commanded to do as parents, guidelines that God has given us in His Word. Now, there, it's not a formula, right? I, thank God there are people out there who are raised in ungodly families and God reaches down by His grace and says, I choose you. Thank God for that. But I am telling you, there's something about being raised in a godly family that produces godly children. There's some, I used to tell the youth when I led the youth, you don't know how fortunate you are because you have been led to the door. You've been, Jesus says narrow is the way. Narrow is the door. That, and and your, the children in this church have been led to the door and put right in front of it. Now they have to choose to walk through. But they, they don't have to find it. They don't have to search for it. They've been led right to it. There's something about being godly men and women that produce godly children. So I'm, I'm going to give you nine guidelines today to raising godly children. And I believe if you do these things, that God is always faithful to a people who are faithful to his words. Let me say that again. I believe with all my heart that God is faithful to a people who are faithful to his word. Now I'm going to give you nine guidelines that don't have anything to do with pacifiers. I'm not going to tell you when to take the pacifier away from them. I don't care, right? Um, uh, I'm not going to tell you when they're old enough to get a phone. That's your business. There's a lot of people smarter than I am that wrote books on all that. I'm not going to tell you when they can start dating. I'm going to give you nine spiritual guidelines to raising godly children. Number one, and they're not necessarily in order of importance, but except for the first one. Uh, number one, if you want to raise godly children then you need to pursue righteousness in your marriage. If you want to raise godly children, then you better pursue righteousness in your marriage. You see, God himself ties the raising of godly children 
to marriage. Malachi 2, 14 through 15. The Israelites are complaining because God's not answering their prayers. They've been praying, they've been sacrificing, they've been, they've been, they've been fussing and whining and complaining, and God's not answering their prayers. And so they ask God, why aren't you answering our prayers? And the prophet says this in Malachi 2, 14 through 15. But you say, why does he not answer? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and she is your wife by covenant. Did he not make you one with a portion of the Spirit in your union? And what was God seeking from your marriage? Godly offspring, godly children. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Don't miss what the prophet is saying. He's not saying that any marriage produces godly children. He's talking about a covenant-keeping marriage. He's talking about a covenant-keeping marriage. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul looks at like, puts it like this in Ephesians 5, 31-32. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it, your marriage, refers to Christ and the church. Yesterday I did my first wedding. Never married anybody before. Yesterday I married somebody. I actually married Mark Hill and, um, and, and Nikki Froelich. And uh, so they had asked me to marry them, and I was really honored to do that. And I stood before them in that ceremony, and this is what I said to them. I said, guys... The purpose of your marriage is not to make you happy. Too many people go into marriage thinking, oh, she's going to make me happy. No, she's not, and you're not going to make her happy. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Forget that. The purpose of your marriage is not to make you happy. The purpose of your marriage is not to fulfill one another. Listen to me. Open the Bible, and the Apostle Paul says the purpose of your marriage is the main purpose of your marriage is to put on display for the world and specifically your children the covenant-keeping love between Christ and His church. That is the purpose of your marriage. And I told them that. You see, in your marriage, we get the chance to model grace for our children. In our marriage, we get the chance to model mercy, to model forgiveness. And, and above all, we get the chance to model covenant. In other words, we never give up on one another. Never. Because Christ never gives up on the church. You're modeling that for your children. They're going to the marriage is if the one crucible, the one place where your Christianity is played out right in front of your children. They get to see it every single day. Do you really believe what you say you believe? They see that every day in your marriage. That's why pursuing righteousness in your marriage is so important. Number 2. If you want to raise godly children, you need to be willing to confess your sins. As a parent, I don't know if you know this, but you're not perfect, and your children are pretty smart. They figure that out pretty quickly, that you're not perfect. And the question comes, as parents, when we mess up and we sin in front of our children, and we will, because that's just who we are, what are you going to do? Are you going to be one of those parents that just says, you know what, I don't need to, I'm the, I'm the parent, I don't have to say anything, I don't have to apologize, it's who I am. Or are you going to do like James says in 5.16, he says, therefore... Confess your sins to one another and pray to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, the fact is, when we sin in front of our children, we break God's law. Our, sins, our kids are watching us to see what are you going to do. 
And see, again, you're always modeling for your kids. You're always showing them this is what you should do. And I just believe when you come to your kids and you say, you know what, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. And by the way, I think this is a big deal. For example, let's say your kids see you come in the room one day and you're gossiping, talking about somebody, and immediately the Holy Spirit convicts you and you realize, you know what, I just sinned in front of my children. I think you go to your children and you tell them I was wrong, but you don't just stop there. You tell them why I was wrong. I, I was wrong because God's Word says this, and I did something else. You see, when you're quick to confess like that, what you're doing is you're modeling humility and you're modeling a desire to be pleasing to God no matter what. And let me tell you, your children are watching. Your children are watching everything that you do. Number three, if you want to raise godly children then you need to pursue sexual purity. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5 says, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. And each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like pagans who don't know God and know his ways. Parents, if you want your children to walk in sexual purity, you need to model it for them in your home. And I'm not just talking about your actions outside the home. I'm talking about in the home. They're watching. They want to see what you're watching with your eyes. They want to see what you're reading. They want to see what you're... Uh, they're going to see what you're looking at on that computer. If you want them to be sexually pure, then you need to model that for them yourself. Again, your children are watching. Number four, teach your children the Word of God. Again, I could stay here all day and preach a whole sermon on this. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, talking about God's precepts, says this. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. I want you to, something about that scripture, leave that there for just a second. When I, this thing jumped out at me the other day when I was reading this. Talk about them when you're at home. It, their Sunday school teacher is not at home with you. The Sunday school teacher doesn't go on the road with you. The Sunday school teacher is not there when you get up, and the Sunday school teacher is not there when you go to bed. Who is there? You are. You do it. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. Thank God for Sunday school teachers who will teach the Word to kids who aren't getting it any other way. But it is your job as a parent to teach your children the Word of God. That is your job. And by the way, you cannot teach them what you do not know. You get in the Word. You learn the Word. You study to show yourself approved. And then when they come to you with questions, you're able to answer those, you're able to answer those questions. Number two thing about this, not only do we are responsible for teaching them the Word, don't ever forget, children learn much more from what you do than what you say. 1 John 2, 6, it says those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. They should walk as Jesus walked. Think about our swimming analogy. How many parents, would you ever let your kid read a book on swimming and when they're done, go throw them in the pool? Who would do that, right? Hey, you read it. Go, go walk in it. No. What do you do? You get in there with them. You show them how to do it. You model it for them and you protect them and guard them while they learn to do it for themselves, because that's what Christian parents do. Number five, if you want to raise godly children, discipline them. 
Now, I almost left this one out because I thought, you know, everybody should discipline their children. It doesn't matter if you're a godly parent or an ungodly parent. You should discipline your, parent, your children because there's many reasons to discipline children. Number one, I, 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 will not, I started to say it makes you feel better. Please forget I just said that, right? That has nothing to do with that. There are many reasons to discipline your children. Number one, they learn to be held accountable for their actions, right? And that's, that's a good life lesson. And by the way, one day God is going to hold them accountable for their actions. And so what you're doing, that's good, that's good in any household. But there is a specific reason that Christian parents should discipline. Because when you discipline your children, you're modeling the love of God. When you discipline your children, you model the love of a heavenly father. Listen to Hebrews 12, 6 through 7. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And as you endure this divine discipline, remember, God is treating you like his own children. And I love this one. For whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? See, as godly parents, we discipline not just because it's the right thing to do. One of the reasons we do it is because as we do it, we're modeling the love of our Heavenly Father for our children. Number six, if you want to raise godly children, then you need to love those outside of your family. 1 John 4.20 says this, If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, then that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How in the world can we love God who we cannot see? Let me tell you, it should go without saying, prejudice has no place in a Christian home. Gossip has no place in a Christian home. Tearing down another person has no place in a Christian home. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. What is it? Love one another. The greatest gift you can give your child is to show them that you really, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love Jesus Christ. But if that love is real, what should flow from that is a love for others outside your family, for your neighbors, for your extended family, and for your Christian brothers and sisters. Now, let me say one other thing about this. By the way, you cannot say to your children, I believe in the Bible, I love Jesus, I love Christians and brothers and sisters, and then not get involved in other people's lives. Let me say that again. You cannot say to your children, I believe in the Bible. I believe in church. I believe in my Christian love. I love my brothers and sisters. And then turn around and not get involved in church. Not get involved in other people's lives. Because when you open the Bible, it's all about love one another, encourage one another, uh, uh, admonish one another, strengthen one another, have mercy on one another, serve one another, on and on and on it goes. If you, you can tell your kids, I believe all that, but if they don't see you involved in some way, mentoring, serving, you're saying one thing and you're doing a completely different thing. And let me tell you, I always say it, kids learn a lot more from what you do than from what you say. They're always watching. Number seven. I'm sorry. Six or seven. Yeah, number seven. I get lost here. Be consistent. Be consistent. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Can I tell you, as, a, as an adult, there's nothing that bothers me more 
than someone who will not do what they say. That bothers me as an adult to no end. Someone who will not keep their word, who will not do what they say. Can I tell you it bothers children even more? There's a story I heard one time, I think it was James Dobson, and it may have been in his Dare to Discipline book, I'm not sure. They told a story of an experiment, and they went to a school, and in this school there was a playground, and there was a fence around it. And at, for recess, they would let these kids out, and the kids would just run. You know, if you ever seen kids at recess, they would just run, and they would just, they would just scatter to all four corners. Some of them would go over there, some of them over there, some of them on the slides, some on the monkey bars, some on the merry-go-round, just all over the place, just having a blast, and, the, and the, the adults would stand over to the side and watch them. Well, one day when the kids went home, they went in and took the fence down just completely dismantled it and got rid of it. Next day, the kids come out for recess, and the funniest thing happened. All the kids went to the right around the playground area, and they just huddled. They were scared to death. See, this, the Bible says here, listen to this, fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I think Brother Henry said this. Did you know what encourage means? It means to put courage in somebody. When you encourage your kids, you're putting courage in them. When you discourage them, you're doing what? You're taking courage away from them. You see, kids crave consistency. Kids crave boundaries. You give them boundaries and consistency, they'll be brave. They'll be courageous. You be inconsistent. You keep moving the line on them from day to day, from week to week. You discourage them. You take courage away from them. They'll never grow up to be what they be. Be consistent, especially in the spiritual ways. Number eight, and I've got two more. Don't compromise your values. I mentioned that originally I meant to preach this sermon on something else, but a few weeks ago, somebody I know compromised their values. I would have never thought they'd have done it in a million years, and they compromised their values. And I'm sitting there thinking, no, don't do that. Your, your children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. What you do matters. Don't compromise your values. Your children are watching you. When you say, I believe this, they're watching you. Are you going to stand up for that no matter the cost? Listen, we live in a world where things that we have believed for thousands of years are being thrown out the door. It's constantly changing. Our children, more today more than ever, need men and women, moms and dads, who will stand up and say, I believe this Bible and I will not compromise, no matter what it costs me. Do not compromise your values. Romans 12, 2, Paul puts it this way, do not be conformed to this world. Believe the word. Believe it with your heart and stand for it. He'll protect you. Now, number nine, and this is the last one, and I save this the best for last. It is the most important. All those others are things that you can do, and by the way, you'll mess up on every one of them. Does everybody agree with that? We can't be perfect. We can't be. We're going to mess up. All those others, we're going to mess up. But I'm going to give you one you cannot mess up. And that is this, if you want to raise godly children, then you fall on your knees and you pray. You want to raise godly children, you fall on your knees and you pray. On the night 
that Jesus was betrayed, he goes into an upper room and he has his last supper with his disciples and he washes their feet, and that's in John chapter 13. And if you go read the gospel, he begins to teach them. And he actually spends chapter 13 and chapter 14 and chapter 15 and even chapter 16. And he's just pouring truth into those disciples. Just He's telling them over and over again, I'm going to be leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you these things before they happen, so you'll be, you'll, you'll be strong when they do happen. He says, my peace I give to you, my joy I give to you, over and over again. I mean, go read it. Four chapters, he is pouring truth into those 11 men. And then you come to chapter 17. And chapter 17, verse 1 says, Jesus lifts up his eyes to the Father. He says, Father, I've told them everything you told me to tell them. Now it's up to you. Now it's up to you. Listen, when you've done all you can do, you turn to him and say, now it's up to you, Father. I've told them. I've educated them. I've disciplined them. I've encouraged them. I've confessed my sin to them. I've, I've modeled in our marriage the very best that we can do. I've made a lot of mistakes, Father. Will you make up for what I couldn't do? Will you send your Holy Spirit to empower them and make them who you want them to be? Listen in John 17, Jesus prays this. Chapter, four, uh, chapter 17, verse 14 through 17. He says this. I have given... And listen, Jesus is praying for the disciples. I could just as easily be praying for my children. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world, but I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to the world any more than I do. So, Father, make them holy by your truth. Father, you teach them your word, which is truth. You see, in the end, we do just what Jesus did. When we've done all we can do, we fall on our knees and we pray. Listen, our children don't just need to be educated, they need to be redeemed. Yes, we teach. Yes, we exhort. Yes, we discipline. But above all, we pray. Because in the end, for your children to become righteous men and righteous women, they have to become a new creation, and you cannot make that happen. Only God Himself. John 1.13 says they need to be born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. But your children need to be born of God. Salvation is a miracle that comes from God and God alone. But we all need to be as parents praying daily that God will do a miraculous saving work in the hearts of our children. Because when that happens, the old goes away and the new comes. Then you're dealing not just with kids, but you're dealing with new creations who all of a sudden they want to hear the Word. They want to know the Word. They can understand the Word. And above all, they have a Holy Spirit inside of them who shows them truth and empowers them to walk in his ways. I know I've already begun. I'm not raising Elicate, but I can guarantee you I'm praying for Elicate. And in this generation, I prayed the other day as I was walking. I said, Lord, make her a Christian and make her strong and bold and courageous and uncompromising in her faith. And God, make her a godly woman who will one day shade my great-grandchildren. Make her a godly woman who will one day provide shade for our great-grandchildren. You see, it's these kids, these new creations who are going on to become the future leaders in our church, and it's these kids who will become the righteous trees that will shade the next generation. Let's pray.
Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.